Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. All right. <clears throat> of course, I got a frog in my throat just as we're about to start. Uh, welcome <laughs> to another investing. <laughs> welcome to another episode of Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Jazz Takard. Jazz, um, let's start back and tell us a bit of your story, how you, you got to what you're doing, and then we'll jump into this. Yeah, I appreciate it, Glenn. I mean, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. Um, I always like to start and and congratulate when, when I'm doing a podcast, a webinar, or anything of that sort when it comes to content, just to congratulate the person who's putting it together. And I'm not sure how much of a team you have, if you do it by yourself, either way, big kudos to you, big congratulations, because I know how tough it is to to get guests and then edit the videos, put yourself out there, because it is weird at times, right? Especially now when you're doing webinars where it's like you don't really have the person next to you and, and you're kind of just looking at yourself. And, and so I get all that. Congratulations to you and your team because um, we need more educational content out there. Um, in terms of me, man, I'm, um, I'm a good-looking Indian guy. I'm a good-looking Indian guy uh, here from Toronto, Canada. Your listeners can't obviously see it. Um, anyways, my mom has always told me that, so I'll, 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 my, my cup is full now. Um, uh, but uh, through and through, um, always loved uh, just sales in general, right? I mean, I was the kid um, at six, seven, wanting to help. Um, wanting to help the teacher with the bake sales and, and the book sales and all that kind of stuff. And it just never really got out of me. And at 12, got newspapers, went into the banking industry, went into shoe sales, not the Al Bundy type. And some of your viewers and listeners <laughs> might get that, that reference, but I was more helping sprinters and marathons and uh, marathon runners and um, went into car sales for a bit. But all, all through my, I'm going to say like 17, 18, like, like later teenage years, I started to notice um, people buying real estate and renting it out. So that concept was quite foreign to me. My father being a taxi driver his whole life, my mother being a factory worker, it was like they came to Canada from India in 1974 and it was work, 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 put all your money in the bank because it's the safest place to put it, um, invest into IRAs and and RRSPs here in Canada and it's the best way to grow your wealth and don't take your money out of the bank and so they really really believed in at the end of the work like at the end of the day like the the, the propaganda and and the and and the amazing and the amazing uh, marketing that the banks did right and, and I don't blame them the banks are not a non-profit organization but no one really sat down my, with my parents and explained to them the the wealth the generational wealth that could be created through real estate. But I saw friends' parents do it. I saw a couple of my uncles do it. And, and especially like on my street, you know, the older Italian couple who owns seven properties and you see him and her cleaning the properties in the summer, shoveling the snow. And you're like, do they live in all these houses? And then when you get to talk to them, it's like, no, I, I rent it out. And, and, and so 2021, age like um i really want to get involved but because i also had this 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 knack for sales i said why don't i just kind of mesh the two why don't i become a real estate broker while i get my license and and the process of getting my license i'll learn about investing 
anybody knows who goes through a licensing process in any state or province in North America, like the licensing process doesn't teach you how to invest. I thought it did. I was naive. Um, it really just makes sure that you don't get sued as that, that is very important. But I, 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 23 got licensed and I just wanted to start to look for properties to, to invest in them as income properties. I didn't really care for, and I think we'll talk about that. We, we, we spoke a little bit a uh, minute off air, like um, um, I'm personally into something into um, looking for the, the, the one doors, two doors, three doors. Um, but while now 17 years that I've been in this real estate business, I've amassed a team of 54 agents and we help a little over 700 clients. I don't tell anybody to, I don't say that to impress anyone. It's really to impress upon people where a lot of the data is going to be coming from today. Right. No, love it. It's good to see, you know, you're good to know you're talking, not talking to someone who has, <laughs> you, you've, you've established yourself, right? Um, so you work with these real estate investors who are looking to do this. Um, how does, how does this go? Um, how do you figure out what they're looking for, how to build them, their systems up, how to help them to figure out what they want and then how to get it to them? Like there's, there's a, there's a big bunch of steps in there. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, I think at the highest level, the, the, the step that I started to take about four years ago, um, I started to work with investors probably about nine to 10 years ago, but four years ago, I, I started with content creation, meaning doing conversations like this, uh, uh, doing 30 second videos, um, um, podcasts, like I have my own podcast, a lot of blog writing, um, emails to our client database from the perspective of education. So at the highest level to get into our and into my ecosystem, you probably saw a piece of content, video, audio, the written word, or some images on, on, on one of the social platforms. I mentioned that, Glenn, because I think it's very important that is something that we did differently, myself and my team, where we said, okay, we're just going to put out the education. Absolutely free. Not that there's anything wrong with like memberships and charging for coaching and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just not going to be our business model. We are going to educate people on what we think is the best investment that you can make. Second, really, I think, I think that the best investment you can make is into yourself. First and foremost, listen to, listen to Glenn's podcast, um, this one or his other one, like, you know what I mean? Like actually consuming the content, right. Um, and, and, and getting educated. Number two is real estate. Why? I mean, we know you can leverage you. It's generational. It can be passed on. There's so many ways that you win with real estate. And so we also believe heavily in the buy and hold strategy. So I have clients who come to me that want to, after watching something on HGTV or Bravo TV, flip this, flip that. And not to say that it doesn't work for people, but we just believe the best way to create wealth in real estate is just hold on to it to do your life. Never sell it. Use it as an ATM, meaning refinance it, go back, pull out equity. As long as you take care of your tenants and you think about it from a business perspective, that, that you'll be able to do that. Like in, in any business, there's internal theft, there's external theft, stuff happens, but the store doesn't shut down. You know, Apple doesn't shut its store down because, because somebody stole an Apple, uh, an iPhone, you know? And so that's the same thing. Tenants don't pay. That happens, but you can probably count on one hand personal horror stories that you've had with tenants. So for us, it all starts at the highest level with education. It then goes into what we call a real estate 
action plan. For short, we call it a REAP, R-E-A-P. And the real estate action plan is really getting to know the client. In the financial world, it's called a KYC, know your client. Um, we call it, again, a real estate action plan where we're trying to find out, Mr. and Mrs. Client, what are you trying to accomplish long term? Once we start to get that information along with what capital do you have to invest in cash in your bank account under the pillow, under the mattress? What do you have in, in registered funds? Because there's ways to invest your registered funds into real estate, as well as what, is, what equity do you have in your principal residence along with is there other income properties that you want? So now we get the base, the foundation of what we can actually, what is actually possible from a financial perspective. We then have them sit down with an independent mortgage broker. As the real estate broker, I like to think I'm the most important person in the process. The truth of the matter is it is a mortgage broker because what he or she is able to do is they're going to get us the actual financing. And so after that is done, we're then going to find out some of like, like, look, if someone's a doctor or, or they work, you know, in any job, 12, 13 hours a day, they have three kids. It's a single mom. It's a single dad. They probably shouldn't be investing into a student housing property. Because you're going to be getting calls at two o'clock in the morning that the students are fighting. It might not be the best match. Right. And so we have, certain we have uh, uh, asset classes and strategies with investing in real estate our job to answer your question uh glenn is is to see like what's going to be the best fit for someone and what i found after the you know the 10 years that we've been working primarily with investors is most people think that they want to get a hammer get a crew fix the home because it looks sexy and i get it yeah. it looks like it's done in 22 minutes on tv but you know, for the people that know that it's not done in 22 minutes, the, what they don't know is that person's been doing it for a very long time. They have a team. What we found, most people just want something that's turnkey. Turnkey, it covers itself. Is the cash flow uh, uh, something that, like, is it a bonus? Yes. Like, if you're making $1,000 a month of property, that's fantastic. We educate our clients, look, if you're working and you have a day job, let that pay your bills. Let real estate be the vehicle that you build equity with, meaning we don't want you to have to put money in out of your pocket to service a, a, a property. But if it's covering all your expenses, you also need to look at the other ways you're winning. The values going up here in the greater Toronto area, Glenn, it's a proven fact. It's not like I left my crystal ball at home today. So like I, I can't give you the forecast based on my crystal ball. But what I can tell you is history as our teacher, every decade in our 50 mile radius here in the greater Toronto area in Canada, values double for the last hundred years. Sorry, how, often, that? how often do they double? Every decade they okay. double. For the, and that's, that's a sample size of 100 years. Now, somebody will say, okay, that's too big now. Great. Let's go to the last 40 years. For the last 40 years, we've been seeing a 7.3% year-over-year compounding. And Albert Einstein said it himself, the best invention in the world was compound interest. And I, I, I believe that. And, and so that's the last 40 years. In the last decade, just the last decade alone, we've seen close to 14%, 13.6%. I mean, but let's call that an anomaly. Let's not even look at the last decade. Let's, you, I let you, you put leverage on this too, right? 
When I started investing in the U.S., I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that. GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. A 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over Zoom from the comfort of your own home. Classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions. Shortcut the process. Make fewer mistakes. Curriculum available at GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. Exactly. You didn't buy exactly. this house cash. <laughs> Not at, all. Not at all. I mean, if I, if, you know, in Ontario, in our province here, the lending guidelines is that if you're an investor, you have to put down 20%. Um, if I could get away with putting down less, I would. Like, I, why do I want to spend my own money? I like my money in my account, right? Let's go out and use somebody else's. Yeah, no, it's good. So you mentioned uh, people are looking for a lot of turnkey stuff, ready to rock stuff. Um, what, what defines it as turnkey? Would it be a certain age range um just the mechanicals are at a certain age range roof is a certain age range or is it uh like what 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 defines uh turnkey yeah yeah so turnkey for me would be um and and for a lot of my clients is number one it all starts off with location i mean the old adage of location 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 rings true um so much in this and i don't think that's going to change and so for us we like to look at properties um, under 500 meters around a major transit line, albeit, albeit a, a, a subway, um, a light rail trail, um, a light rail transit, sorry, not just like a bus service, not that it's just something basic like that, but I mean like a major transit line, um, because we know what happens with values, um, they appreciate the most and the rentability the prospect of tenants is the best when you're under about 500 meters to that transit line. Number two would be where there's not a lot of fixing needed in the home. So the age doesn't matter. Like there's the, there's the actual age of a home 30 years ago, it got built, but then there's the effective age. Meaning if there's a, if there's a home that was built 30 years ago, but five years ago, the furnace, the roof and the windows, all the mechanical stuff has been renovated, like has been replaced and or uh, um, uh, uh, repaired. Then for us, the effective age is five years really, because especially the homes that were built 30 years ago. They were just built better, in my opinion, back then. And so to us, that's what turnkey means, including the fact that we'll actually rent out the property for the client for the first year. So that's a turnkey investment as well as a turnkey process. What they're also looking to, going back to, to, to the, the point of what our clients are looking for, they're looking for something that's passive. They don't want it to be where they have to add the income suite themselves. Now, I have clients who do that and add a basement apartment and in-law suite and, and rent that out. And I think that's the best way to add value to a property. However, most of my people are looking for something that's passive. Can I just park my money? And I know the values are going to go up and the rent's going to come in because I do have a day job. I have a family and I, they take up all my time. And so for us, something that's very passive is a property with two doors. You rent out the upstairs, you rent out the downstairs. We do actually, we're number two in the world with the amount of cranes we have in the sky right now. So number one being uh, uh, Singapore, we're number two in the world with the amount of cranes. So we have a lot of development happening here in Toronto. And that greater Toronto area, that 50 mile radius that I speak about. And so a passive way, especially for a first time investor, is to invest into a new build condo. So what we know with a new build condo is that it takes anywhere about from three to four years to get, for it to get built. And what happens is, is the builder doesn't need your full 20% at once. They need to sell 
75 to 80% of the building to get their construction financing. And so what they offer investors is an installment process for the down payment. So it'd be 5% in year one, some call it five to 10% in year one, 5% in year two, and then the final five to 10% in year three to year four when the building gets built. Well, that's fantastic for somebody who's getting started out, especially like 25, 28, 29. People always ask, how do I get into the market? Great way to get into the market because it's a forced savings plan. It doesn't allow somebody who's 28 to go buy dumb stuff like, you know, spend extra more than they need to on cars and, and Jordans and, and Rolexes because you're forced to have those savings for while the building gets built. And so that's very passive. In fact, I call it one of the most boring real estate investments you can make because the building's not even built yet. You don't even have to deal with tenants. But one thing that's happening, one thing that's happening is the builder is forcing the appreciation in the way that they allocate the units. Meaning if it's a 300 unit building, they're going to allocate 50 to 75 units in phase one of pricing. It's very important that you get in that first phase because by the four, it's usually about four rounds of increases of pricing from price day one pricing to that fourth allocation. Glenn, we've seen a difference of eighty to one hundred thousand dollars, right? And 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 because the demand is so high, and there's we have a massive supply issue. I think it's safe to say that it's now worldwide, definitely North American wide, where there's just not a lot of inventory. So where the inventory lies is in the new build sector. And so, and so if you know that you can pay, pay down your, your down payment of 20% over time, you know that you're first in uh, uh, pricing, you, you know that the builder is going to increase the pricing. It's a very passive way. It's like watching paint dry. Very boring. Very, very boring, but very passive at the same time. Okay. So now we've, we've got this person. Um, we found, oh, we have an investor. Investor has, uh, you work with them, you figure out what they can afford, what they can uh, where they should buy. Uh, they've got something to be passive or less passive or whatever their, their goals are. Um, do you have any tricks for to help them do more deals so they're not like stuck with just one? Oh, for sure. I, I, I think the number one, and this takes some time, it, it, it might not happen all in year one or the first year that you're getting started. Um, but number one is, is, is getting the having the stomach to refinance and pull out that equity, right? Um, that's by far my favorite strategy, right? Like I loved the fact that I could buy a property with 20% down. I lost my mind when I realized that I could go back to it and pull all my money back out and keep doing that over and over again. But you need three years, four years, sometimes two years, but it's probably closer to three to four years where the values have gone up enough and the mortgage got paid down enough where there's enough equity to pull out. And, and most lenders will give you anywhere from 75 to 80% of the value in, in, in terms of when you're pulling out equity through a refinance. That's number one. Number two is starting the process of doing joint ventures. Like for me, 50% of a deal is better than having no deal whatsoever. And so surrounding yourself with through through investment groups, webinars, just getting to know other people that are in uh, 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 the world of in re real estate investing. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that is to be part of some type of investment group um, and talking to friends and family. And I know the old 
thought of, oh, you shouldn't do business with family and friends, but maybe not all your family and friends are, 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 are negative, right? And so um, doing joint ventures is by far one of the easiest ways to, to grow your portfolio because yes, you might not be able to get the financing for a property, but you have cash. And and Glenn is 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 doesn't have the cash right now, um, hypothetically speaking, um, and and but has the ability to get the financing, right? So why not do a 50-50 deal? Like I, I mean, I'm whichever, however you those numbers yeah. off the top of my head, yeah. right? And and exactly. And so um, I think joint ventures are a fantastic way to do it. Number three is you should have three, two to three independent mortgage brokers always on speed dial because they also have access to private money meaning that one of them one of the banks or the the lenders might not want to give you money like a an institution but there's people who will lend you money privately at a higher interest rate at a higher interest rate people get scared like i know the interest rates right now are, are, are historically low but when you tell them that it's through private money it's double even triple i don't care what the interest rate is as long as um as long as I can get the financing and my, my, my cost of borrowing, my property tax, all my expenses are being covered. If they're being covered, who cares what the interest rate is, right? Like we, we get sticker shocked with the higher interest rates. However, if you couldn't get access to that money and the only way to get access to that money is at a higher interest rate, if the numbers make sense, get rid of the emotion. So the three ways are, are definitely um, uh, uh, number one, Get the stomach to be able to refinance your principal residence as well. Um, and I know we're taught not to do that. We're always taught pay down the mortgage, pay down the mortgage as quickly as possible. Number two, um, be open to joint ventures. And number three, have three, two, three, four uh, independent mortgage brokers on speed dial. Love it. And yeah, the sticker shock, if you're going to get sticker shocked in Canada, you're going to have a whole... You're gonna get a kick to the face if you go to the US. <laughs> As one <laughs> the advantage of the Canadian real estate investing is the interest rates are way, way less. Um, and I, yeah. I love the JV strategy. Um, I know whenever I was new and, and I had a bunch of rental properties, I would I'd look at it and I go, whenever I have these all paid off in 25 years, uh, then they're gonna cash flow so much. And like in my retirement, I'm gonna be making so much money. But like you as you learn as you grow through this you're like that's the stupidest thing to do is to pay these things off especially at these record low rates you're like could because what is um maybe i'll ask you this what does the equity in your property return big nothing infinite <laughs> well, well if you, <laughs> oh, have, if you so so you, in, you, in you, property, property. you bought a hunt yes, yeah yes. you bought a yeah. uh, place for half a million and now it's worth a million and you're like that that half million you earn nothing on you're better to refinance it put that money to work. Can you earn better than the one and a half, two percent um, to do this or two and a half? I don't know. We know what you get for um, rental properties these days in Canada. Um, but but uh, I know my principal one's one and a half. Um, so um, can you do earn better than that amount doing re more real estate? Of course. Refinance, pull the money out, do more projects. That half a million dollars that could be stuck in this property, you could turn it into several properties. You could keep scaling this and, up. And, and hundred percent, right? And if you don't do it, I, I think you really need to understand that your principal residence is actually a liability. It's really not an asset, right? Like because it costs you money right. every single month to maintain it out of your own pocket, which is the definition of a liability. So you're so much better off 
refinancing it, pulling out the equity, and then going to buy more to scale up. But look, I mean, unfortunately, we weren't taught this in school. We, and then when you come out of school, you're not taught it. The only way that you come across it is a podcast like this, maybe at somebody, somebody at a cocktail party, but then you really do need to dive in yourself to understand that, that, that by just, like I would rather have people actually rent their, their principal residence at one point, like get into the market one time. A lot of my content is around this, right? Like where, where get into the real estate market once because then you can take advantage of that equity that is built up by owning the home. But then if you never own another home, like own where you live, it's not a bad thing. No, no, it, it's actually genius. Um, I did a podcast when it back like three, four years ago when I did them more like your show where I did it myself talking. And I did a podcast on uh, Cambridge, like that's where I was living at the time, Cambridge, Ontario. And um, basically there's a, there's a point where you're like, where it makes sense per certain price point to buy at where it makes sense to own the property. And as that goes up and the rents don't keep up, or anyway, I'm butchering this badly, but there is a spot. I get where, it, I get where it. Exactly as it gets more expensive, it, it makes more, like your principal residence is more expensive. It makes more sense to rent it because the, um, you're, all that money, if you start factoring in that down payment and everything else that you have in that property, if you had to put down like a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, could you earn more of that with a rental property instead of your principal residence? So you rent the whole thing. And a lot of these um, people who are renting these million dollar homes, uh, they're basically breaking even on them. So you can basically go in and take over a break even. So, you know, it depends on the thing. I know some of my neighbors when I was in Cambridge, we were in a new subdivision and they're like, oh, I have two houses now. I think I'm going to rent the one. Um, this is, I'm going to figure out what to rent it for. And it's going to be like, what is my mortgage and my expenses? That's what I'm going to rent it for. And I went to my wife, I'm like, should we rent the neighbor's house and move next door? And then we'll just, then we'll sell this thing, make a ton of money and I'll do a whole bunch more investments because I'm well, like, well, look, I'm going to give you a real life example. Glenn. I mean, I have somebody who bought our property for 800,000, not too long ago. Like, actually, let me just give you the exact three, four years ago or in 2022 at the time of this recording. And so they moved in 2017. Okay. So, um, what are we, five years ago now, pretty much. Okay. Bought it for $800,000. It's worth 1.8 million now. Okay. They sold it. Okay. They lived in there for five years, sold it. Their mortgage when they sold it was approximately $500,000. Okay. Sold it for 1.8. Easy math. They came out of it with 1.3 minus real estate fees. For, the, for argument's sake, say, let's just say it's 1.2 million. They started renting because the house that they bought was bigger than they actually needed. One thing that the last two years taught us, I know there's a lot of people who were like, the walls were closing in on them. I get that, like the last two years. But a lot of people on the other end of the spectrum were like, holy crap, I just noticed I only use 25% of my home. So why do I need this? So the smart play was rent where you live rent where you live they took that 1.2 million dollars and dispersed it around for other investments that 1.2 million now is going to earn them an infinite return as long as they hold on to the properties yep probably way more than what their rent is a hundred percent and and you know we were speaking about uh, uh um being able to liquidate real estate here's the best thing when you're renting you can drop the keys to the owner and say, you go 
and and now rent it out to somebody else. You can leave. There's no costs to actually uh, uh, sell the property. You don't even have to maintain the property. The furnace breaks. Mr. and Mrs. Uh, uh, landlord there, Glenn, can you come and fix uh, the furnace? <laughs> There's no upkeep. Hence why owning it is a liability because when I own my property, even now, like I still own my property, yeah. but I'm going to say every six months I wake up into that, in the, into this, uh, in this home and say to myself, you know what? I think I'm going to cash out, cash out, rent. I can then rent every year I can move now. I mean, that might not go over well with, with, with everyone in my household, like every single year, but what if every two, three years I just change places, right? So your lifestyle is different. There's a reason that uber uber wealthy generally speaking and it's like in the high 80s in my opinion that they don't actually own where they live yeah no no it doesn't it, mean that true. they don't own and, and 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 sorry really quickly i should because if there's a snippet of this <laughs> if i don't finish it off it's not going to go over well but that doesn't mean that they don't own properties they own properties they just rent those out right Exactly. No, and there's a there's a lot of these other big podcast hosts have been doing this for the the oh I got a name drop, but the ones have been doing this for like 15 years in iTunes. And yeah, you talk to them, they don't own that, you know, two three million dollar place in Malibu. They rent it. <laughs> they do. It's totally true. And then they own like 15 build. They own 15 buildings down the street. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or like some of them own tons. They own like the size of a small town. <laughs> For sure, for sure. <laughs> Jazz, people wanted to uh, track you down. You want to give us a little bit of contact information, how we can yeah. find you? Yeah, you know what? And I really appreciate it, Glenn. Um, I think the best place to, to to really get into my world and then decide if uh, if you want to stay in the, in my ecosystem is to just go directly to my website. Go to jazztacker.ca. Um, uh, jazztacker.ca again, and, and, and you'll see all my content. And you'll see my socials and all that kind of stuff. You can make a decision for yourself if you like the uh, crazy Indian guy who waves his hands all day long. <laughs> well, Jazz, I appreciate you coming on the show. That was uh, that was great. Different uh, different angle than we mostly usually get. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Glenn.